Hey friends, today we are in Proverbs 28. We're going to look at a number of verses, um, verses 4 through 9, and we will see how they relate to one another and what kind of application God has for us in this. Here's what it says. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father, whoever multiplies his wealth by interest, and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So there's quite a bit going on here. So we're going to just kind of touch on most of this here, and I think we'll be able to gain something great from it. Today, in the passage, Solomon mentions the law by name four times, and I take that to mean God's law, which Israel lived under, uh, which seems to be linked to some of the other things he mentions in the passage, like justice and integrity, understanding, generosity, uh, going along with numerous negatives in relation to being disobedient to God. So question, uh, why do people respond differently to God's law? Some wickedly, some righteously. Well, verse 4 starts us out by saying how those who disobey God are not praising Him. They are not worshipers of God. And I say that because he says they praise the wicked, while those who obey God are at odds with them. So, you know, worship and praise, that's a hard issue. And we've talked about this a lot, how the heart bone is connected to well, every other bone in our body. I mean, practically, our actions stem from our heart and our words as well. And the way Solomon is speaking, I don't think most of us are accustomed to thinking like this. That is, uh, when from the heart we forsake God's word, our praise, or I think our worship, goes not to the only one who is righteous, that's God, but to those who are wicked. We're praising worshiping the wicked. And Solomon has a way of putting his like finger right on the truth of the matter. And most of the time, the one who forsakes God's law seeks to bring praise to his own self. And, and hey, we're all wicked, right? So that goes along with the text. We're all bent towards sin. Um, those who forsake God's word praise the wicked. They seek to glorify themselves over God. Of course, that was Satan's sin, which caused his fall, he wanted glory equal to God's, and that was basically the temptation he gave to Eve, that she could be like God, and that God was a liar. They would not die if they ate at the tree that God told them not to. And that also led to our own fall as well, how that we're all bent towards seeking our own glory, praising ourselves, and praising wickedness. Uh, next, Solomon says how evil men, they don't really understand justice. I think that's God's justice, but, but it's God's justice working out also in our lives, practically, toward our neighbors. But he says that the seekers of God, they understand justice completely. 
And then he seems to give us a, a couple examples here. Verse 6, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. And I believe that's pretty clear that this evil man who praises the wicked is the same one who does not understand justice, right? I mean, he's decided in his heart that it's just plain better to be dishonest and conniving than to be honest and poor. I mean, for him, wickedness seems like better than integrity. And so a lot of money, it trumps having little money, but it goes so much further than that. It trumps honesty. It trumps good relationships. It trumps loving your neighbor as yourself. He's all out for himself. I mean, his definition of what is right and fair, it's a corrupt definition. He looks out for himself. He rationalizes his choices, even when he knows he's wrong. Um, he thinks it's okay as long as no one else finds him out. And he can become overly defensive and judgmental against those who question his actions. So these are just some of the ways I, I believe the meaning of justice escapes him and it's corrupted in his heart. So Solomon provides us another example. I think here's what he says, verse seven, the one who keeps the law is the son with understanding but a companion of gluttons shames his father. So in keeping with verse five, I think this son who keeps the law, he understands justice completely, right? Um, while the companions of gluttons bring shame to his father. So he doesn't understand justice. He praises wickedness, right? According to verse four. I think that makes sense. So to hang out and love the company of those who are self-seeking and, and love wickedness, uh, even are praising or worshiping the wicked, these are a people that do not love God's word. They forsake it. And there is no justice working out practically in their lives toward others. They also do not understand God's justice. So verse 8 goes on to say that whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. And um, we actually covered this verse in a Proverbs 13, 22 and 23 devotion. It's called Wealth, Poverty, Injustice, and Giving. And I put the link in the transcript if you're interested. But this is definitely another example of how we can praise wickedness or praise God and be obedient to his word. Finally, in verse 9, Solomon says, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. And this kind of sums up what we've been saying in, in many ways. Um, it fits nicely with the rest of the passage. I mean, if a person forsakes God and his law, if he praises the wicked, how can he sincerely pray to God if he's praising someone else? I mean, if he's worshiping something else, wickedness, his prayer would be an abomination to the Lord, right? So he does not understand being just, and neither does he understand the justice of God. In Romans chapter 3, Paul talks about God's justice and how he can show mercy 
and at the same time still be just. And uh, it's really an insightful passage and chapter. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So therefore, I, I think that um, justice is not going to be a good deal for us in that state. <laughs> but then he says in verse 24, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So God's justice for those who believe comes by grace through Jesus redeeming us. And Paul goes on to explain how this works and, and how God has reserved his final judgment um, with 100% justice until a time set after when his only son came uh, to do what no man has ever done, and that is to live a perfect, righteous life. Adam and Eve failed in this and all their descendants, including you and I. Then how Jesus took the wages of sin we deserve in his death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. Finally, in verse 26 of Romans 3, Paul tells us how God's righteous justice comes to those who have faith in his Son, who was just on our behalf. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that's the justice of God that the wicked person's eyes are closed to. And in so being, they are unable to grasp the fullness of how to live a life of justice practically towards their neighbor. And instead, they're bent on praising the wicked and, and seeking glory for themselves, even the glory that belongs to God. Father God, thank you for Jesus who lived a perfect, righteous life here on earth, something no one else has ever done or ever will, that he might impute his righteousness to all who believe in him. Thank you that he died a sinner's death and was paid the wages of our sin, the wages of sin is death. On the cross, he did not have to die. He had no wages coming, but he willingly laid down his life for us. Thank you that you raised him up with victory over the hold that sin had through the law, that he might raise us up also one day incorruptible to be with him forever. And in his raising, we also Thank you, Lord, that you give us the same power over the hold that sin has in our own life to live victorious lives for you and not be enslaved to sin anymore, Lord. So thank you for these wonderful gifts. Help us to share your glory with others. In Jesus' name, amen.